You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Joshua chapter 3. Verses 1 through 6, Israel prepares to cross the Jordan. The fledgling nation of Israel is on the east side of the Jordan in Acacia Grove, also called Shittim. They are poised to enter the Promised Land at Jericho, the midpoint of Canaan. The two spies Joshua had sent have returned with an encouraging report. The people of Jericho are terrified, anticipating an imminent attack. The only people who will be spared are Rahab the prostitute and her family, provided they are in the house with her and she marks it with a scarlet cord. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. So these are the instructions given to them. They are to follow the priests to the edge of the river. They will be carrying the Ark of the Covenant, a symbol of the presence of God with them. Normally, the Kohathites would be tasked with carrying the Ark. But in this unique case, the priests would carry it. So this is a new experience for all of them. Joshua says, you have never been this way before. But God knows the way and he will lead. And that's why it's referred to as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, indicating the connection between it and God. Yet they must maintain a safe and respectful distance from the Ark, 2,000 cubits or about 1,000 yards. The people were to consecrate themselves and prepare to see how God would miraculously bring them across the river. They knew which foods and items were clean and which were unclean. They were to avoid the unclean. They were to repent of sin and rededicate themselves to God. It probably also involved washing and abstinence from sex, as it had before the giving of the law. Exodus 19 it would happen the next day, but it takes some time to pack up and line up approximately 2 million people. Verses 7 to 13. The crossing miracle is a sign of things to come. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that they may know that I am with you, as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, Go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, and uh, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, 
its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. They were assured of God's presence with Joshua as their new leader. They were assured that God was going ahead of them, symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant. When they saw this first miracle, they would know that military victory was as easy for God to accomplish. They would see this miracle, but they needed to understand its significance. The whole world would talk about what God did for these people. They would see themselves as part of God's mission to save people from all over the world, ultimately through Jesus who would come from the people of Israel. So these are the seven nations that were named as the inhabitants of the Promised Land who were under the judgment of God. Their day of grace was over. They had 400 years to repent. The question is not why God chose to destroy them, but why he had allowed them to live so long, and why not all sinners are destroyed immediately. It is grace that allows sinners time to repent. He is called the living God and the Lord of all the earth. It was his land to give to whomever he wished. He uses his creation as he wishes. A miracle is a divine intervention in human affairs, an extremely outstanding or unusual event, often going contrary to the laws of nature, such as the parting of the Red Sea, Jesus walking on water, or his calming a storm with only a word. It is a sign of the supernatural power of God. They were to choose one man from each of the twelve tribes as a representative. The purpose of this will be shown in the next chapter. At each point, the people are only told what they need to know. In this case, the men are not named, but as with many leaders throughout history, their faithfulness is noted by God. Joshua explained what would happen to the Jordan. God would cut off the waters upstream, and the water would stand in a heap. This would happen suddenly, as soon as the priest stepped foot in the water. As they assembled and prepared to cross, they were to contemplate what God had done for them and what he was about to do. Verses 14 to 16, Israel crosses over the Jordan. The crossing of the Jordan and its significance is not told chronologically, but in flashbacks described in chapters 3 and 4. And this is the uh, method that is often done in films to enrich the storytelling. It is also told very succinctly, although it was a significant miracle, because what was more important was what it symbolized. God was with Joshua as he was with Moses, and since God could do this, nothing they would face afterwards was too hard for them. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Imagine the people of Jericho watching this unfold. They see this great multitude of people across the Jordan standing on the shore facing them. 
They are there for a day getting into position. No boats arrive to ferry them across. Suddenly they just start walking into the water, which dries up before them, and no new water flows downstream. To emphasize the unlikelihood of this at this time, it says the Jordan was at flood stage all during harvest. So this happened in springtime near Passover, as indicated by the flooding and the flax at Rahab's home. So it was at full strength. Matthew Henry says, Jordan's flood cannot keep out Israel. Canaan's force cannot turn them out again. So God held back the waters upstream at a town called Adam, which was 16 miles north of where they crossed over. All the water flowing into other tributaries also ceased. Psalm 74:15 says, It was you who opened up springs and streams. You dried up the ever-flowing rivers. It is important to note that it says they crossed over on dry ground. This was not a muddy road, even though the waters had just stopped. God made it passable for them with all their families, carts, and animals. The priests stopped at the halfway point and the people skirted around them to keep their distance from the ark as they crossed over. This is the first miracle for the conquest generation recorded in the book of Joshua. It was a second exodus. The exodus from Egypt was now complete and it ended as it had begun with the people going through great waters on dry ground. This shows the faithfulness of God. Under Moses' leadership, they crossed the Red Sea into the wilderness, now under Joshua's leadership. They crossed the Jordan River from the wilderness into the Promised Land. The difference now is that the Ark of the Covenant, symbolizing God's presence, has been built and it will lead them. During the Red Sea crossing, God led them with a pillar of fire and cloud. That was no longer necessary. Some of the people crossing the Jordan would have been born in Egypt and would have crossed the Red Sea as children. Imagine all that they witnessed in their lifetimes. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? God promised he would be with Joshua as he had been with Moses. God also promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Joshua told the people to consecrate themselves in preparation for God's work. John the Baptist's message was, Prepare for the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. When asked what this looked like, he gave practical examples. Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days in the wilderness before his public ministry began. We are to cleanse ourselves, to be useful to God and prepared for good works. We prepare today to see results tomorrow. Paul tells the Corinthians, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Then he told Timothy, Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be uh, instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the Master, and prepared to do any good work. The floodwaters were cut off at a place called Adam. The flood of death, begun with Adam, was cut off by the work of Christ. Israel crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land after wandering through the wilderness, and God was with them. The early earthly Canaan is often a picture of heaven, the true Promised Land, and the Jordan River is a picture of death, 
the journey we must take to reach our destination after wandering through the wilderness of this life. But God will be with believers as they cross their Jordan as well. Believers follow the path marked out for them by Jesus who walked this way before and has gone on ahead of us to greet us when we cross over. The ark went ahead of them to lead the way. It contained the law inside of it and on top was the mercy seat where blood was shed to show how the substitute died in place of the guilty sinner. Jesus is the ark of God who has God's law inside of him and who leads the way and is the perfect sacrifice dying in place of the guilty sinner. Because of him we can enter the promised land. The Exodus ended as it began and demonstrated God's faithfulness to his promises, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Joshua chapter 4. May God bless the study of his word.